And it is 8.04 and 14 seconds. We have this big green clock on the wall, and it's Simcha Cohen for the Simcha and Nasi Hour. Oh, wow. I got my name added to this of hour. Of course. Of <laughs> course. Not, not possible. Not possible. It's the Simcha and Nasi Hour. How are you, Nasi? I'm good. Uh, I don't know. If next week I don't show up to the show, it's because I didn't pass my uh, road test. But no, uh-huh. I guess then we'll really... I guess you'll have to you'll calm pass, me down. You'll pass. That's what everyone's telling me. But, you know, some people here... Are telling me, no, you won't pass, you won't pass, where you won't pass. Where are you pass. taking it? I don't know, with my uh, instructor. I don't know where he's taking me. Ah, because you have to, like... 7.30 a.m. he's taking me. That's fine, that's fine. No, that isn't fine. I'm going to be exhausted. <laughs> you know what? You, you'll make it. Uh, see, there are different... My, my son told me there are different places to take it, different parts of Staten Island, this and that. Yeah, I don't know. Well, hopefully, I don't Turns out <laughs> he ended up taking it in one of the hardest places and he passed. It depends on the instructor also. The first yeah. time he had this, like... This dark-skinned lady who had an attitude and said, what Aren't they doing? all dark-skinned ladies? <laughs> no, there's some dark-skinned men and some also light-skinned men. I'm very careful about how I speak. Yes. But anyways, so this week, wow, this is a, 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 a heavy-duty week. Um, yeah. Baruch Hashem. I mean, you know more. You know more about what happened than I know what really happened. I found out about it at one o'clock in the morning, really, yeah. and I didn't even get the full story. I know someone was nifter, a special someone was person, nifter, special person. Every, any, you know what? It was a real met mitzvah. It was really and so typical of this radio station that you know what that that no this, it picks up where nobody else does, and this is a person that had really nobody to take care of him and Nisim. And Jay Root, we tried to raise money for his burial. And I don't even know how it ended up. I know I texted a bunch of people on, Sunday, on, Sunday, on Monday morning. But Baruch Hashem, he was able to be buried in Eretz Israel. And, you know, it just shows again, once again, it shows the dedication of Nisim, how he was it's here. Uh, people, people, Most people probably, the kids probably don't know that Nisim was here probably until 1 o'clock at night. At 1 o'clock in the morning, right? And, yes. he, and that was, I was very, I was in the well, car It's your dedication back. too. You were, you, he, Listen, he I was called driving. Up. I was driving and, and I just, you know, but the truth is, these types of mitzvot, to be buried in Eretz Israel is just like, you know, also the last wish of a dying person. Right, I was going to say it was his last wish. And, you know, it's, 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 it's very, very... It's, you know, we should also thank everyone in the community, because I, I did come in the next morning, and when I opened up the computer here, I saw the text messages. This one was donating this to this, $1,000, $10, you know? It's unbelievable. Whatever you could do. It's, it's crazy how like a whole community comes together. But. You know what? This is the Jewish community. It's so so interesting. I had a story in my life. When I was in college, there was a non-Jewish girl who was getting married to a Jewish guy. Unfortunately. She was going to convert, but she wasn't converting to like, she was converting to Reform Judaism, which I don't even know what what that is but she asked me she said she was going to the reform temple on Rosh Hashanah and she wanted to know what to expect so I told her I have no idea <laughs> I don't know what to expect I know that in the reform temple where I grew up they had an organ piano on, on, on you know and they had a choir and then sometimes they had an ensemble band and the, the, the page the page not the page count what do you call it you know the, the thing that tells you a page you're oh but to. that's in the orthodox rules they had they flipped it but this was everything was electronic and and they they had um they just it, that when i was a kid they they come up with a rule that you don't have to wear a, a, a yarmulke in the show because they had they made the roof like a dome so it was, like, oh. it was a collective yarmulke whatever i said i really don't know what to tell you but this is what she came back with. She came back after Rosh Hashanah. She said, 
I hope you're not offended, but I think you Jews are crazy. <laughs> I said, okay, now let me think why I'm not offended. But she said, they had this thing called an appeal. I said, right. She said, like, they were collecting money? I said, yeah. She goes, they do that in your synagogue, too? I said, sure. She goes, do you know how much money people were giving away? She goes, thousands and thousands of dollars? She goes, who is this JNF thing? I said, that's Jewish National Fund. That's Israel. She goes, some guy gives $25,000 to JNF. Another guy, $18,000. Now, she said, I was like, I, I lost count that like $250,000. I said, you know what? I said, but that's the way it is. And I got such a good feeling because I realized, you know what? Even a person that's like not connected, unfortunately, to the Torah, but a Jew is a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. And this is a midah, the, 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 the midah of tzedakah. And she said in her church, she said, which she's never going back to again because <laughs> she converted which said that they pass around a basket and, like, the richest person puts, like, $10 and everybody goes, ooh. <laughs> but then she came back after Yom Kippur and she said, they did it again. <laughs> she said, like, who's the IDF? I said, Israeli Defense Force. She was like, oh, my God. Like, what is this? But the fact is that, you know what? The, 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 there's nobody like our nation. There's nobody like the Jewish people. And you open up the Yated and Hamodia, and you see how many chesed, tzedakah, this and that. It's like an unbelievable thing. And that's why I say we have like the best kids in the world. Jewish kids, yeshiva boys, I don't care. People like to say negative things about them. I can't stand when people say negative things about yeshiva boys. You know what? We have the cutest, most wonderful kids in our yeshiva. Maybe they're a little bit more wild, well, because they're cooped up a little bit more. And maybe maybe they're just a little... Maybe I don't think that they're worse behaved. I think that they're much better behaved. But it's because you put a kid in the classroom for all day, so they're going to be cooped up. But at the end of the day, they're beautiful people. They're, they're, it's just... It's, it's so funny because my father-in-law, he should live and be well. He's a, he's a big mechanic. He's in Muncie for... Many, many years. But he's like real. He's, he's like, he, he gets better with, with age. Like most people burn out. It's like sixth grade Rebbe for like 45 years. He still gives out jelly beans. I know. But he used to, there was this, he used to be the English principal of yeshiva called Beis David, which was a Hasidic yeshiva. It was very hard to get English teachers. So there was this, this nun convent that was in the area. So he met this principal of that school, I think, and she said to him, I don't understand. When your kids are small, they run around like hooligans, but they all grow up to be such beautiful rabbis. When our kids are small in the Catholic schools, they sit like <laughs> angels till 12, 12 years old, and then they grow up to be criminals. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. It's what it is. They keep them controlled, but then as soon as they let them loose, they turn into criminals. Our kids are. That's uh... <laughs> very funny. There's a text for you, Nussie. My husband's driving instructor told my husband that he wouldn't pass the driving test. 
But my husband did. Well, well, two things. First, of, first of all, my driving instructor says you'll pass, you'll pass, you'll pass, you'll pass. And second of all, I, if my driving instructor said I want to pass, I, I wouldn't even bother going. I would just say, give me another five lessons. Uh-huh. I would be too scared. Uh, someone That's wants scary. to know: Is there any anti-anxiety medicine that really works? Mm-hmm. If so, how long does it take? That's to your field. The difference. I'd like it to be one with no or little side effects. And if there is side effects, what are they? Who? Loaded question. I'm not a pharmacologist. So I don't really, I can't really comment on medicines. But my medicine for anxiety is to heal them. I, I, I say my Taylim and I, I put it all on God. And right, what, what if someone's not? On such a spiritual level, let's say, let's give people a Whatever, he's just not on such a spiritual level. He's having a hard time. What's what's another method? I guess if we can't tell, you speak, can't tell him the medicine. I would, I would speak to I would speak to my doctor. So I would go doctor. to a doctor and have someone who knows your blood pressure, knows your whole body system, and somebody's able to give you. But if somebody does have anxiety and they can't control it, then it's really a sore not to take medicine. It's it's really a terrible. Take the medicine. Hashem created it for a reason. There's nothing wrong with it. Calm yourself down. And it's not for life. Everybody goes through things in life, ups and downs. A lot of kids will have to take medicine. It's not for life. It's just something you take. And a lot of times it's prescribed irresponsibly. But when it's prescribed responsibly, then it works. Not, Not every... Listen, a lot of times it's just the way out, but I know many kids that were very, helped very much. It has to be prescribed the right way. Actually, I'm remembering, when was it? I think Mordechai Weinberger, somebody he had like an older woman call up and ask. It's like, my child is scared to take like medicine or something. I don't, I don't remember what happened. I don't remember what he said, but it's funny. Like some people, I guess some people are scared to take it, you know? Well, you have to understand that the objective of taking medicine as a child is not to change, the, not to change you, but to allow you to learn how to do the things you need to do. I've never had a client that I've stuck with that I kept on medicine forever. I always eventually weaned my clients off of medicine because the idea is not to need the medicine. The idea is to be able to learn how to live with your energy or whatever it is. I think especially with kids, actually, I'm now remembering there was someone in my class who used to take, I don't, I don't remember what it was, it was in sixth grade, he used to take medicine, and I think his biggest fear, like the whole reason to begin with he didn't want to do is because what other kids would think of him. Right. So I'm sure that's like very hard for kids. It's very to go private. Through, like, it needs to be very private. And I, I know true, this is a true story. It was verified that there was this one kid who was having terrible, terrible trouble in class. And the Rebbe was miserable with him. And the mother gave him a pill. He was supposed to take it with breakfast every day because he had to take it with food. And everything got much better after like two months. And the kid confided, told his psychologist, (laughs) that he had been putting it in his Rebbe's coffee every morning. (laughs) That's great. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the type of kid that had the job of making his Revy coffee. And every morning he'd drop it in his Revy's coffee. And miraculously, like kid. <laughs> the kid's behavior got better. 
Because the truth is, a lot of times, you know what? We all have to look away. I had one parent who was going bonkers from her kid. I said, you know what? You take an anti-anxiety pill and leave your kid alone. You know what? A parent is too uptight. So you know what's uptight? Well, I have a question, actually. If you, if you tell that to someone... I'm sure you get more detail, but if you tell, uh, let's say the kid, let's say it's really the kid who's out of control and the parents just doing what they're doing. You you know you don't let the kid just grow up to be monster. No, that, that that I needed to know that over here it was not the child; it was the parents' reaction to the child. Uh, every child, every child. What what we need to know how to react to a child in order to bring out the best in a child. And any ch- I've never encountered a child that I haven't been able to communicate with and reach on some level. And the difference is that my goal is to reach the child and is to try and understand the child, not to control the child, not to make the child do what I want the child to do. I had one one kid that came in, and Lord, I hope he's not listening to this, <laughs> but he came in and he held up a sign that said, I'm not talking. Okay. So anybody that knows me knows I could talk to myself for three days and a month. (laughs) And for an hour, I sat and I had a conversation with myself about what? About nothing. You know, things we could talk. I could talk. I could talk about this and that. I spoke about politics. I spoke about everything. I spoke about my shoes that were bothering me. And And then the session was over. He left. Came back the next week. He held up the same sign. And I talked to myself again for a whole hour. And then the third week he came in and he held up the same sign. But only this time he said, I'm not talking. And he had three exclamation points after the talking. So I talked to myself for a half hour. Half hour into the session, he says, shut up. <laughs> I looked at him and I said, did you say something? And he, he fell apart. But the thing is like this. He didn't want to talk. The objective was to connect with him. He needed me to meet him in his place. I also had a client that wouldn't sit down. And I conducted the entire first session standing up. And Were you standing also? I was standing also. Wow. And then the second session, I took all the chairs out of the room. <laughs> he said, where are the chairs? I said, well, since he didn't want to sit down, I took the chairs out of the room. He goes, but I want to sit down. I said, oh, we sat on the floor. And he goes, do you think you can bring chairs back in? I said, yeah, we can bring chairs back in. And we laugh because I see him. He's like, he's like in his 20s. He says, I really, would, I didn't sit down. I said, right, I remember that. But the idea is not to react, but to just process and figure out. Because why would a kid want to talk to me? I'm a stranger. I'm like, you have to like, it's also, you have to try and understand where the kid's coming from happen to be blessed with the fact that I love kids. I I I, I I I I I just love kids. And so I'm lucky that my job is I'm very lucky. My son is eight and throws horrible temper tantrums. How do I stop them? Well if you're gonna try and stop your kids temper tantrums, it's not gonna work. It's how do you react to them? Like we just said. Right. You're not going to stop a temper tantrum, but you don't react. And you have to just suck it in and just not react and be more stubborn than your child. Generally, a child 
is going to throw a tantrum until they get what they want. If you're able to just resist that, then you'll be able to overpower. Sometimes if a kid throws a tantrum in a public place... I was about to say that. It's, you, you, have to, to say that. you have to give in or pick the kid up and take the kid out, but generally... You have to just stand strong. Don't raise your voice. Don't scream. Don't yell. Don't throw your own tantrum. Generally, what I like to do is a very good trick is I have practiced lines that I have in my head that I constantly repeat. So I'm not reacting. I'll say, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't give you what you want if you're acting like this when you stop screaming. But you could talk about it. I'm sorry, I can't give you what you want when you're acting like this if you stop screaming. We could talk about it. And if you say the same thing over and over again, then a lot of times you're able to keep focused. But if you're going to try and react to what the kid is saying and give in to the kid and try and listen to what the kid's saying, you're not going to get anywhere because they're saying whatever they need or want to say to get what they want. And that, that's, that's really what it is. Okay, we have a text. My son is terrified to take fish oil for ADHD because of what his friends think. Any advice? Well, fish. I, I, I thought he was going to say the taste. <laughs> well, fish oil, there are a few problems with fish oil. Um, first of all, um, I find that Maxi Health has, has some good supplements that are very good. Fish oil... Why do kids need to know he's taking it unless he smells like fish? Sometimes I know people that take garlic pills. Like I know a friend of mine said, oh, I started taking garlic. I said, I could tell because <laughs> I didn't really want to stand next to him because like he smelled like he started taking. You have to like get garlic pills that don't make you burp up garlic. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, fish oil is, it's like a little bit, it's a little bit, uh, it's a difficult one, and I can understand. But I don't know why his friends need to know unless you pack it in his lunchbox. Well, I mean, kids do say things, and maybe he's an opener. Well. well, that's why you have to be very discreet. And 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 I know, I try and be very discreet. With any Actually, kid. I take that back because I just reread the text. It says, my son is terrified to take fish oil for ADHD because of what his friends think. So he probably will not say it to his friends. Right. He's probably just afraid that in case someone finds out. But um, well, that, that, I think that a lot of times one of the problems is kids who are impulsive, they just blurt out what they, they might, without even realizing it, saying, say you mentioned their medicine because it's an impulsive type of thing. So um, I think that a lot of it has to do, first of all, there are a lot of teachers that sometimes are, are very insensitive and just will, will say something and mention it. It's a very sticky What does a teacher have to know? In my opinion, I don't think a teacher does have to know. And generally, I don't really like to discuss it with a teacher. Um, a lot of times, the school doesn't have to know. If the school is going to throw a kid out, which I don't get at all, then a lot of times... They really, do, they really, they really, really If a kid doesn't take medicine, they'll throw them they out. They can't do that legally. And and they, they, they can't do that. No school no no school that deals with any kids that I deal with with audacity to ever say such a thing. 
because I say very simply, are you trying to tell me <laughs> that, like, 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 um, like, like, I, as, please clarify, are you telling me that, and then they'll never, they'll never, hang on. I, I had, I, 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 I've bent the truth with one or two principles that they were under the impression that the kid was on medication when the kid really wasn't. And the principal would say, oh, that medication is really working fine. I'd say, like, whatever. <laughs> whatever works. Play with their minds, I guess. Yeah. Principal. Sometimes. But I had one principal say to me, when is that kid going to ever learn how to control himself and not fidget? Um, so I, 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 I said to him, I knew that there was a kid in the school that had a broken ankle. I said, how's so-and-so doing? He goes, well, he's still on crutches. I said, when is he going to start running like every other kid? He goes, what do you mean? He broke his ankle. So I said, he had surgery. I said, that you understand, but this other kid's fidgeting you don't understand? In other words, this is something that a kid does. If it really bothers you, you know what? Look the other way. And it is a very long day. It's a very long day, and you know what? So what? I'm sorry. Why is there a law against fidgeting? So I mean, who who said that you can't move around? It's it's such a silly thing. And the other thing is, I you know I was a teacher, and if if I was distracted by a kid that was fidgeting in front of me, okay, I used to tell kids move around, just don't make noise. Don't like yeah. sit there and burp out loud and say, oh, it's my ADHD. That's not your ADHD. That's the fact that you burped out loud. I mean, it, 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 it's, you know. But a lot of, as you can see right now, I'm just even moving back and forth like this on a chair. If a kid was like shuckling even like that, Hello, you know, oh, I, they would go crazy, the teacher. I, mean. I, I at my father's Levaya, I said to somebody very close to me, please don't tell me not to fidget. That's what I do. I can't help it. I'm going to be sitting there. And they're going to have a spade about my father, and I'm going to be fidgeting. My feet, my arms, I'm going to be moving. Don't look at me. Okay? Just, just, this, this is my nature. I can't help it. I fidgeted under the chuppah. <laughs> I, I guess that's it. It's not, actually, now that you went on the topic, this is your own fault. Could you please repeat the story you said at 1 a.m., which is an amazing story? Only if you want. <laughs> so, so, uh, Mary, I will call you. I, 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 it's, okay. I got your text. <laughs> I will call you. I, I, I haven't I haven't forgotten about you. Okay. We also we had a, I think a couple months ago, nine months ago, when I was here, when I was interning here, I guess you could say, someone else texted in that he's been trying to contact. Do you remember? So this is the second uh-huh. time. So okay. it's not it's not odd. I guess you are a hard person to get through to. You know what? I'm very involved in certain projects, and and unfortunately, I uh, um, I my. I, I I have to be a little bit more diligent. When I had a secretary, it was much easier. I need I need somebody to manage my life because I'm just maybe as a side as a side job I could be your secretary. You, any no, day, <laughs> any day, any day, for forever. I charge twenty five an hour though. So no problem, I, no problem. <laughs> if I can make it, you could get it. Right. But um, <laughs> anyways, um, so I had I I think that. I think that one of the one of the major things that I would like to emphasize is kids really don't mean bad. Kids aren't generally malicious. 
And if we look at our job as parents or as educators to teach kids and we don't take things personally, then it's very hard to find a kid that's like very personally bad. I haven't... Uh, you know, the problem, I don't know, listen... I'm young still. I'm not married, nor near married. But I gotta say, I you could, you could see I'm looking around. You could see even in like the, the I don't know what to call them the new generation parents. I know you know you see they take everything personal. Right. It's like it's it, very it's hard sad. not to. It's very hard not to it's because sad. you know something. There's nothing more personal than being a parent. And then when you show the kid that you're taking it personal, the kid gets offended, and you know either the kid will voice whatever that he's getting offended, and in the worst case he's not, and then that could lead to. Problems, you know, relationship. I'm sure right. with the parents it's, and kids. Not, not not just getting offended. The kid kid feels guilty, and you know what? A lot of times, kids will do things they don't want to hurt their parents. They don't want it, and, and then when they find out that they did, they end up feeling terrible. So, one of the things that I, I say all the time is, okay, I I got offended, but that's life. I'm over it. Okay, that's what it's all about. I was I was thinking today actually I was thinking after diving like a lot of times I'll write down my thoughts and I was thinking about the fact that how many times a day in tefillah do we say that Hashem forgives us and do we ask forgiveness and do we say we're sorry and do we say that Hashem loves us and there's a relationship so many times a day at least three times a day slachlanu and then we have the anna. In the morning, afternoon, and how many times? So, what is Hashem telling us? Hashem is telling us that relationships are about forgiveness. You hear? If you think about it, do you hear what we're saying now? We're talking about, let's see, a forty-year-old and an eight-year-old. I don't know. In my mind, that's insane. When a little kid comes and says, "You're stupid," you know. I mean, but but is it any? (laughs) But you know what? But you know what? I don't understand it. I don't get people. Some but people. The, I shouldn't say it's every, it's everyone. It's some people. But the fact is, I will tell a child, you can't say that because you can't say that. Not because I think I'm stupid. I know I'm not stupid. But you can't say that because that's going to get you in trouble. And if you're going to do things like that, it's just, it's just... Right, but that's you to another person. This is a parent to a kid. A parent to a kid's not going to say, that's going to get you in trouble. <laughs> but you say, like, no, if, if, if a kid says, I don't love you. Well, but I love you. And it doesn't, I don't need... You know what? Famous words. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> it's, 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 you know what? Kid says, a kid says to me, well, I used to tell my child children all the time that your your gifts to me from Hashem and your Hashem's gifts to me. So when I punished one of my kids he said, You're making Hashem's gift very unhappy now. <laughs> so I laughed. I said, My job isn't to make you happy. My job is to take care sure of you. you. Right. And if I think that my job is to make you happy, then that's not called taking care of you. You know a lot of times we give in to our kids like crazy and we think that that makes them happy but that's, that's not what makes them happy and then like you know uh, kids need to sometimes hear the word no if my parents didn't tell me no I would be off the wall I thank my parents for the times that they told me no but uh, and and and, and 
the 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 I think that the main thing that we need to understand is not how to it, we have to learn how to take whatever our nature is and use it for good. And if that means that a person is jumpy or if a person's got a lot of energy, I some of the most ADD or ADHD people that I know are huge successes. Right. And if you have to realize your ability to create and 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 you know, there are some kids, most remarkable kids in my entire met in my entire life were kids that didn't fit into the system. And that's just you know what? But the system is sometimes flawed. I don't use the word disordered. ADHD is attention deficit difference. Attention deficit. <laughs> it's a difference. It's it's the world. What's, a, what's what's usually disorder, right? Disorder. At this point, the statistic says it's approximately like sixteen percent of the population in the United States has ADD or ADHD. That's more than the amount of Asians I can't in this remember. country. <laughs> So, 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 like, we're going to say, if we have an Asian disorder, <laughs> so you have a population. That's already a population. One of the rich people, I'm trying to think, you said, one of the, Bill, I don't remember who it was, I don't want to say a name, but one of them had ADHD, and now he's, like, one of the richest people. I can't, I well, can just, just slip my mind. I mean, I would, I don't want to go on record as saying, but there's the people that have said that Bill Gates has Asperger's, so who cares? <laughs> he can have whatever. <laughs> it worked for him. I guess you need that degree of focus to. to He's richer than both of us, right? To build a company like he did, he has to be focused on. on, And you know what? It's not the worst thing that you could do to a child or to an adult is tell them that they're disordered. You know what disordered is? Disordered is when you go over to a candy machine, you put in a dollar, and you don't get your candy out. That's disordered. I want disordered and disappointing. And disappointing, but it didn't do what it's supposed to do. Okay, if you have a machine where you put your money in and you press Reese's peanut butter cups and Kit Kat comes out, that's that, that's different. Or for the Chalvi Israel people, what would it be? It would be like a, a milk munch. I forgot what milk munch and clicks and clicks, and and you get one and not the other. That, that's not disordered. That's different. Or, or Diet Coke and regular Coke. Right. And if you think about it, it's all how you look at things. I guess so. You know, if we take so many things for, for, for granted, you know, in, in certain cultures, parents sleep in the same bed with their children until like they're 12. No. And to me, it sounds like bizarre, everything I know about psychology. But to them... Taking a baby at three three weeks and putting the baby in a separate crib is, is abuse. So how you look at it? And you know what? For them, their culture, they were raised that way. So that that's just that, that's their culture. Is it disordered? No. Disordered is abuse, is hurting, is is yelling, is putting kids down, making making people feel bad, any any form of violence. That's disordered. But if it's not, if it's it, if it is if it's not violent, you know what? And parents need to know that everybody has a different style in parenting. 
As long as it's not negative, and as long as it's not, it, um, okay, our generation is spoiled. My kid has bad friends, and I can't get him away from them. So I heard once a very good line. A person said, honey, I think our kid is spoiled. I said, no, all kids smell that way. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, um, I don't think our generation is spoiled. I think our generation is living with what is out there. I think our generation is more privileged than other generations. Would be the yes and no. I don't know. Is it privileged to have all the tests and all the trials and tribulations? Is it more privileged to grow up in a world? Well, where I guess if you pass all the tests, then it is privileged. But if you fail, then <laughs> you know what? In my days, the biggest fear I had was the alphabet killer, who was a guy that like killed kids in Rochester, New York, three years in a row. And he killed girls, and I wasn't a girl, and it just still creeped me out. But like, what, well, what if you're, if you're to... on the Rochester subject, someone did text in over here, we need some stories, Dr. Conan. Ah. So if you go a little bit down, scroll ah, a little bit. We need some stories? <laughs> I'm always telling stories. But, I guess. But, but, um, but, but the thing is like this. If, if we think our kids are spoiled, then sounds like we're jealous of our kids. And I think that, I think that, wait, you're saying there really is a concept of a parent being jealous of a kid. Torah says not, but I can't understand why. First of all, there are kids that are spoiled. There are kids that are not. There's a whole bunch of people who just give their kids everything and feel that their kids have to have everything. Um, but generally, if, if we get things and kids feel that they earn it, and it's not for nothing. So then, I don't know if that's called spoiling our kids. I think that, yes, there are some kids that are very, very overindulged, I like to call it. I like to call it spoiled. But overindulged. Um, but I, I think that if my kid has, it's very hard. I, I think that the only way to get your kid away from Friends that you feel are bad are to replace them with other friends. The more you tell your kid that their friends are bad, the more they're going to want to hang out with them because they're going to have to defend them because they're, they're friends. I learned that from the Novominska Rebbe. So here's a story that I could tell. All right, here there we go. There was a young man who was dating a girl that he wanted to marry, and it wasn't a girl that his parents wanted, and it wasn't a good shit up for him. And... Parents wanted to know how to break it up. So I spoke to the Novominska Rebbe about it. And the Novominska Rebbe said to me what I knew, but I was very happy. He said, don't say anything negative about the girl. Don't point out anything negative. Don't tell the boy why the girl is not good. Because he'll, he'll defend her. Just tell the boy that this is our decision. We don't. We don't want it. And even though she's a very good girl, we don't think it's for you. And that's that. And they said, girl's not, she's a very good girl. Everything you say about her is right, but she's not for you. And then Novin's girl asked me, how, I couldn't believe it. He said, how in love is he with the girl? I said, what do you mean? What kind of question is that? He said, will he kill himself if he breaks up with her? I said, no, not at all. He goes, fine. Okay. <laughs> But the Novinsk Rebbe was concerned about that. Wow, to hear that, I would, I would be blown away. But that's, <laughs> that's a Godel Ador. That's a Godel Ador. I've never met a person who had his finger on the pulse of Kali Yisrael 
like the Dome. He's still group. alive, right? Of course, yeah, he's, he's, he's alive and well. I should give him long years. Man, he's so he's so attuned and cognizant, and 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 and, and, it, and, and you know what? You 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 speak to you speak to the Gedolei Hador and. I when I was in Shifte Yisrael, I was assistant head counselor there twenty eight years ago. And one Friday night, the 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 workers just supposed to wash the dishes quit. They walked out. So you had four hundred kids, and you had umpteen amount of dishes that needed to be washed in order to serve lunch the next day. So I was just raised this way. At five in the morning, I went to the kitchen to wash dishes. So I got there, and I heard someone in the kitchen. I got nervous. I walked in, and the Rosh Hashiva of Mikdash Melech, Rav David Lopian, was there, and he was just rolling up his sleeves. I said, Rebbe, I said, what are you doing here? I'm washing dishes. What does it look like I'm doing? I said, why is Rebbe washing dishes? Because we got to eat. They need dishes. Someone's got to wash them. He goes, what are you doing here? So I was here to wash dishes. So he said, I guess great minds think alike. So as we're washing dishes, he told me an unbelievable story. He said in Kfar Hasidim, where his grandfather was, Rosh Hashiva, Mashkiach, and there was a woman who was an almana. She was a widow. And she used to eat dinner with her son in the yeshiva, then wash the dishes, and then go home. One Friday night, her son was sick. So she ate at home. And her plan was to come the next morning early before lunch and wash the dishes in the morning. So she came back in the morning, and all the dishes were done. And she didn't know who did them. And she found out that who did the dishes, Rabbi Ella Lovian himself, stayed Friday night, and he did the dishes. But that was our devil Lopian's father. For the grandfather. Record. Grandfather. Okay, I don't know. And <laughs> so she said to him, I don't understand that Rosh Hashiva is such a big tzaddik. How could he wash dishes? So Rebelli Lopian said, if I have any chashivut at all, it's because I'm able to wash dishes. If there's anything about me that deserves credit, it's that I'm able, I'm humble enough to wash dishes. I know my place, I know what I have to do. So if David told me that story, and then we, I felt good after that washing dishes. <laughs> but... The the, 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 the the idea is that could have said they need dishes, they need clean dishes, I make the kids do it, this and that. No. It, 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 it's a zahut. It's a zahut. And same thing that, you know what, especially parents who have kids that are sitting and learning Torah, 
taking care of them is a big zikhut. I see a lot of people are texting, but we should know the phone lines are open now. 718-683-5858. I forgot to say it in the beginning. 718-683-5858. They are open. They should be working. They are open. Even though we seem to have turned into a text show. Um, Which is understandable because people don't want it. You know, we had a, a, when was it? Two weeks ago, there's a big problem. Someone called up by... Forgot what show it was, and I don't know. They they said something, and they wanted it off, and we had to go go back and take it off of everything. So you know, it's a pain in the neck. Right. Some people are like no, like you know, these things. It's gonna go onto the archives, so uh-huh. be forewarned before you call. Okay, that's true. The archive. I was listening to the archives on my way home the other night. Um, I I think that I think that. By the way, just the rule of thumb for spoiling kids. It's okay for kids to earn things and to learn that they deserve something. And being nice to your kid and treating your kid nicely and saying you deserve it, you earn it because you're a good boy, you're a good girl. That makes sense. We have a caller. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, what's going on? I don't know. You tell me. What's happening? Listen, I'm driving. I turned in your station. I thought it was another boring share, but you actually had some really interesting stories. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> See, look at that. Surprise, surprise, surprise. They have no boring shoe room on J-Root. Chasmashal, <laughs> It was a very bad term, verbiage over there. Okay. But no, um, no, this is not a boring hour. Tell me what's on your mind. No, who who is who is that? Who is the one who's talk, who's your guest right now? No, it's not a guest. It's my it's my co anchor. It's Nussie. Oh, Nussie? Yeah. Okay. You know, because he said he was doing a concert somewhere. I was curious if he was a singer or something. I thought I, he was, I thought I heard him say he was doing a concert. No, no concert. <laughs> concert. I don't oh. know where you heard that. No, no oh, concert. Okay. Well, I mean, I you can do a concert, concert for sure. I don't, oh. I don't think anyone will buy tickets. No, you, you, you can do it. We can do a concert. I don't know if it'll be singing. We can do a juggling act or something. But uh, where are you driving? I'm uh, I'm on the road. I'm on Coney Island. I'm coming home from somewhere. I'm on the way home. Okay. Any but, traffic? Uh, there's, no, there's no traffic at all, actually. Okay, it's very, so very minor. The first traffic report on J-Root, Cifacone, and Nussie Hour. No traffic on Coney Island Avenue. Okay. Hey, I'm expecting a check. Uh-oh. Well, oh, okay. there we go. <laughs> no problem. No problem. I don't know. I mean, that like you guys kind of used me over there just to get the traffic report without warning me. Uh, okay, listen, as soon as I get paid, I'll send it over to you, buddy. No, I'm just teasing. It's all good. Take it as my donation. Uh, no, yeah, that, that's, you sound like that. a schmocky guy. Drive carefully. All right, take it easy, guys. All right, okay, have a good night. Bye. Bye-bye. I love what? people like that. I love people like Sounds that. Sounds like such a labor that can fun yeah, guy. beautiful guy. People have chiyas, people have gishmat. You know what? I love people like that. And, and he could take a joke. Yeah. No, <laughs> but I love, I, I, and he loved your stories. You see, the, I should see, I should I see over here, a lot of people are going nuts over your stories. I don't, you're not going to yeah. read that out loud. But I see over here, we both get the same text messages. People really enjoy your stories. And but I you enjoy know your stories. Well, listen, you know what? My life is full of stories because I experience everything in my life as a story. And I, I do believe you that. You kind of remind me of like a Fischl There's just like so many stories that like just happen, you I know? Mean, I think that I think Hashem, in his infinite sense of humor, sends me things just because, <laughs> like... Just because, I mean, I have like some really, really funny stories. Like when I was in Italy, this is like, this is like a, a classic Simchakon story. And anybody knows, I've told this story like a hundred times. But I told this story to Rabbi Leaf, and I really wanted to find out if Rabbi Leaf got his tefillin back because I met Rabbi Leaf in Shul and he told me he left his tefillin in a hotel. But I'm sure he did. But I was telling, 
I, I was telling Rabbi Leaf the following story. My wife and I were traveling with friends to Italy, and we were going, and my, I was wearing a pair of pants, and my wife said, those pants look really good on you. I said, but they're, like, really tight. Because <laughs> I was, like, a little overweight, like a little lot overweight. And she said, Duh. I said, but, but they're killing me. She goes, but they look good on you. I said, of course they look good on me. They're strangling me to death. She goes, but wear them anyways. So as a good husband, okay, I wore them. Meanwhile, our plane landed in England. It was supposed to be a one-hour layover. And we're talking about what we're going to do as soon as we get to Italy. And my friend said he's going to, like, wash his face. And my wife said she's going to take a shower. I said, I'm going to change my pants because I cannot take this anymore. Anyways... Lo and behold, a, our plane that was, rolled over a baggage handler and killed him. Yes. So our one-hour layover turned into a 10-hour layover, layover. And we were, in Italy, we were in England for like 10 hours. Then we subsequently got on an airplane. And we ended up landing in Rome at around 2 in the morning. And lo and behold... We had no luggage. Our suitcases were lost. Now, aside from the fact that like all of our other clothing was in the suitcase, I had one thing on my mind. Those pants. I didn't have pants. <laughs> <laughs> and there are no overweight men in Italy. And I was not going to... Only thing I could find in my size was like a black dress. You would watch pizza and pasta. There no, would be able to, no, overweight no overweight men. Anybody that's been there can tell you. But anyways, so, so meanwhile, I'm looking and looking and looking and looking for luggage. So, meanwhile, my wife says, go find the luggage. So, innovative as I am, I jumped on the conveyor belt, and I rode to the back where the luggage is. I started looking for my suitcase. Um, my wife and his, my friend's wife looked at him and said to him, uh, hey, go help him. So he jumped on the conveyor belt. Now, he doesn't know how to ride a conveyor belt. I do. And that's a whole different story. And so he didn't duck when he went through. And he, like, got a huge bang on his head as he went through. I could have told him. How long ago was this? Oh, this is, like, uh, before my son was born. So this was, like, 18, 19 years ago. I was going to say, if someone tries to go on a conveyor belt in the airport nowadays, well, well, let me tell you what happened. So we're sitting there. We're looking for our suitcases. And my friend says to me, Simi, you know, like, we got to find our wives are going to kill us if we don't find suitcases. Well, lo and behold, we turned around and there were two Italian police with machine guns okay. trained on us. <laughs> and they said, what are you doing here? I said, we're looking for our suitcases. This is an international airport. This is luggage. You can't just come back. They're terrorists. You can't come back here. Meanwhile, they marched us out with our hands in the air. <laughs> they took our passports. They're going to arrest us. Well... Needless, Did your wife see all this? <laughs> yes. And actually, needless to say, my wife's reaction and my friend's wife's reaction when they saw us they, was so intense and so, uh, well, what can I tell you? It was so dr- dramatic that the cops looked at each other and said, we're going to let them go. go. <laughs> I think that they probably want to go to jail with us. <laughs> but I told this to Rabbi Leaf because what happened was I got back to my, air, my, my hotel and I called up Heathrow Airport, and I tried to find my luggage. I said, I lost my luggage. I said, well, hey, sorry, that, nothing we could do about that. <laughs> so I got a hold of a guy. His name is Derek. I don't know Derek. And I said, Derek, how are you? He goes, 
Uh, pretty good. I said, what's going on? How's the weather over there? Said, pretty good. I said, Derek, you know, today's your lucky day. Said, what do you mean? I said, you're going to help me, Derek. See, you're going to do something so big. You're going to help me. And, and, and this is really going to be an unbelievable thing. I'm stuck here in Italy, and I have pants that are too tight, and I need to change. And you're going to find me my suitcases. He goes, I am, am I? Yes, so you are. I got the guy so hyped up. He was like, it. my best friend. I said, Derek. Yes. And, and, and I called. And, and I like that accent you can So have. much. He got so hyped up that around, it was like 11 o'clock at night, I get a phone call on my cell phone. Mr. Cohen, I've got you. I've got your bags. I've got your bags. I said, Derek, you did it. He goes, oh, I'm so happy. I looked all day. I found it. So, meanwhile, I got this guy interested. So I told Rabbi Leaf, just get somebody interested. So he got on the phone. He says, "This lady Jackie," and he says, "Jackie is his Derek." Jackie is his Derek. He yeah. gets somebody interested, and and, and 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 that's what it's all about. I made Derek feel important. You know what? I bless Derek all the time because of Derek. He's I keep up with Derek. <laughs> and I was able to walk again. But I, and, 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 and the truth is, though, that if you, it's like that with that. If you make people feel important, then you can generally get, get people who want to do things for you. If you, if it, it, it's about making, it, it's, 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 it's about making people feel important. That's really what, it, what, especially with kids also. If you make kids feel important, then kids are important. Kids are more important than adults mm -hmm. a lot so, of times. Did you see the text over here? It says, I'm laughing already. Wait, now I'm not going to kill someone. It's <laughs> no, no. right over here, actually. I feel you about the wife's killing. Now, you could interpret that message as in, you know, joking way, or you can mean in a strict way, but I don't think you meant literally that your wife was going to no, kill no, you no, like no. that. I don't think that, <laughs> not really. But, but the truth is, you have to understand the amount of tension that we were all under in, in, in Italy. It was like... I'm sure your stomach was also under a lot of tension. Oh, forget <laughs> it. It was like, it was like, I mean, it was, but we, 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 I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what happened though, that in... When we traveled, we saw one thing. We saw the En Ka'uma Zoo. The Jews all over the world are the most beautiful people that you could ever imagine. My wife and I were in Paris. Paris. Yeah, which is really... So someone told me, you go to Paris, don't wear a yarmulke. Because they're very mm -hmm. anti-Semitic. And that was like 20 years ago. But I said, you know what? I'm Sephardic. My ancestry did not go through the Holocaust. I said, if I'm going to Europe, I should take off my yarmulke, wear a cap, hide my Judaism. You know what? Let me suffer a little anti-Semitism and, 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 and you know, go with the cause. It, it was a big deal. So it was, it was, we're standing there at the airport. An hour and 20 minutes, we couldn't get a cab. Nobody stopped for us. And you're talking about empty cabs. And you think these, these low-life, like, vermin would want money, but... French anyway so they're sitting there nobody stops us all of a sudden a cab pulls up like speeds up screeches to a halt in front of us this guy jumps out and says Shalom Ani Yehudi wow <laughs> the only three words he knew Shalom Ani Yehudi and we looked at his cab it was not a large cab we had a lot of suitcases and we were four people 
And you know what? We stuffed everything in that cab, and this guy put on tefillin for the first time in his life because he took us for a ride. Whoa. And <laughs> for he saw me, like he saw my tefillin, he said, okay, put it on. And he became our driver, and every morning he came, and he picked us up, and he put on tefillin. And well. you know what? That's why I wore yarmulke. That's why, and if imagine if you wouldn't. It's so funny. I was just tell. I was telling you know the other days. I always praise Nisim. You know, we have to praise everyone here. You know, you come in out of you know the week. I was telling Nisim. You know, imagine they collected. You know, obviously they didn't collect over, but they collected a lot of money for this man. I'm like Nisim. Imagine if you didn't you know get on the radio. What a schuss he has. You know, like like I was saying, you just said he put on film. I'm saying look it, look look how much money he's got. And you know what? It's it's the, the whole schuss of Hamechim Gaver Hashem every. Every step we take, you know, I ended up connecting to Nisim by accident because I met an old friend of mine who told me, he says, you know what, I know this radio station and it's it so great for you. And I pushed it off and pushed it off, pushed it off. Meanwhile, you know, Nisim is very laid back. Yeah, very whatever, back. whatever, whatever. <laughs> Finally, I said, you know, I'm just going to come in. I came in and met, I met him. First of all, I shook his hand, and we didn't let go of each other for like 15 minutes because like the connection was so strong. And, and, then, and then it was it was it. the first time actually. I, I walked in here, whatever. I came here to when I came here to work here. I walked in, Nisim like interviewed me, and I'm like sitting here looking. I'm like, wow, this this is Nisim. You're like, look at him here, Shaq, but he's such an amazing man. And I'm, I'm I was one. I listen. I used to I listened to Nisim's show, you know, before I came here, and I was like always very inspired from him, and always looked up at him. I still look up at him now, but it's like. Yeah, Nisim's amazing. He's going you know to kill us for this, but he's amazing. He is amazing. <laughs> you know what? I think that what we don't realize is that, 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 that you know, the, the, the world's perception of greatness is big and strong. And it's that Hashem doesn't perceive things that way. Okay? The strength of a person is not their ability to lift something or their ability to, like, the 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 are 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 the hugest giants could be the frailest people. Right. But I heard a story, and this happened when I was in Israel. The Stifler Gaon was very weak. He was very weak, and he used to have every like twenty feet on Rechov Rechov Chazon Ish. They have benches because when he used to walk. To, to, to Shul, he used to have to rest every, like, 20 feet. There was a man who came to came to, to the Stavla Gaon very late at night, and he left in the Stavla Gaon. Uh, I don't know how he found out that the guy was sleeping in Shul. The guy was sleeping in the Shul, and the Stavla Gaon said, you let said to Gava, you let him go and sleep in the shul, you have to call him back and give him a place to sleep. Say, in first hand, the time everybody heard it first hand, Stavagon got up and walked to the shul, didn't rest once. He just walked the entire way to get the guy and, wow. to, and to bring him. And to bring That's him. amazing. Because I want to ask you, someone sent in here, it looks like you missed it. What age is the right age to stop spoiling I don't think that, I think that, you, that every age is the right age to stop spoiling. I think spoiling is about giving kids things that, 
they don't deserve and giving kids things that they don't need and you want to give kids things because they deserve it and because they earn it and not because everybody else has it and if it's just something that's not needed then even from the earliest age we don't overfeed our kids when they're babies and we don't we, we, we have to teach kids moderation from the earliest age. I 100% agree with you. Actually, whoa, it's 9 o'clock, but we did start late, so if you want to pull it out two minutes, okay. you're more than welcome. Okay. Anyways, but uh, I, think that, I think that what we need... I came up... I was talking to somebody before. I think that if, if someone would ask me what the most important thing that we could teach our children, what the most important thing we need is... We need appreciation. We need to teach kids, and as adults, we have to appreciate everything we have. You know, you see, you go to a place like Camp Simcha, you go to places, you see people that don't have things. And if we have whatever we have, if we can just appreciate what Hashem gives us, then we're so, so lucky. We're so lucky. It's mm-hmm. it's it's just, and it's when we don't appreciate it. That's when we lose it. That's when 100%. we lose it. All right. All right. Time's up. Time's up. Till next <laughs> week. This is Simcha and Nasi, and it's really this is a good chemistry over here. Yes, we got to so, we got to see what we'll do, but during the year, I don't know. Uh, yeah, as much. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll people we'll miss Nisim a little bit, but no, yeah. I think we'll work out. Nisim can come join us. All right. Okay, fine. Have a good night. Have a good night.